0: Well, hi, and welcome back to our Clarity Podcast. Clarity is our one-year experience as a church where we are seeking to see Jesus more clearly. I'm Nick, and I am joined today with Mark Schatzman. Mark Schatzman is a teaching pastor here at Fellowship and part of our senior leadership team. Hey,
1: Mark. Nick, how are you?
0: I'm doing very well, thanks. Fun to be here with you. So, um, hey, we are, we've are we been in this Lent season moving toward Good Friday and Easter, and uh, and we're, we're hitting... Um, really the central, that this is the big event of our faith. And when Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he said, hey, I'm going to pass on to you what was of first importance, Mm -hmm. this most central thing that you need to cling to. And he said that Jesus died for sins, according to scriptures, was buried, and rose again, according to scriptures. And the thing that strikes me about that as we get ready to remember the death of Christ is it's not just the historical fact that Jesus died. Yes, it's the historical fact that Jesus died. Right, But... Paul said that death had a meaning. He said he died for our sins. So we have an interpreted history, a theological history of Christ's death. So Mark, would you just kind of walk us through a little bit? What, what happened on the cross? Why, why does it matter for us?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. You're asking the question, what makes Good Friday so good? Yeah, exactly. Um, because obviously it's the high water mark of sin and evil, where the innocent God was crucified by and betrayed by, by sinful men. Uh, but it also comes down to uh, a word that we sometimes hear and don't really know what it means, and it's the word atonement.
0: Atonement. Okay, so unpack that.
1: Atonement is tied to the death of Christ because even the word atonement itself means to make one. Uh, okay. Sometimes um, you and I have heard it said that atonement means at one
0: Okay, so just breaking the word down, it's actually there in the word itself.
1: Yeah, so we have a gap between two things that are separated that somehow gets joined back together, and that's what atonement means. And, and that word itself has a rich theological history in the people of God, not just the church, but even the nation of Israel. In fact, Yom Kippur is the day of atonement for the Jews and still celebrated even today, and it's the highest of the holy days. Because in the entire uh, sacrificial system that was set up in Leviticus um, all of it was there to help bridge the gap between sinful man and holy God okay
0: and so how uh, tell us about that that Yom Kippur day like what what does that what does that image give us what's what's going on there
1: without unpacking all of the feast and sacrificial system in Leviticus which would make this a 42 minute podcast instead of a short one
0: which I'm sure everybody would be delighted with yeah we we'll keep it short for today.
1: Yeah, the uh, Right smack in the middle of the book of Leviticus is Leviticus 16 that talks about that high holy day of the Day of Atonement. And if you think about what's wrapped around uh, Le- Leviticus 16 is the entire theme of the book of Leviticus. And so Leviticus uses the word priest 189 times. Wow. It uses the word sacrifice 129 times. It uses the word holy 89 times. And all of a sudden, the repeat of those words start to tell you what the theme of the book is, and that is that we have a God who is holy, far more holy than we think, uh, a mankind who's sinful, truthfully, far more sinful than we dare imagine, and, uh, and a gap that's bigger than we know. And atonement is simply how the gap is bridged. And God does that all the way through the book of Leviticus and the, uh, the Old Testament system through a system of offerings. Hmm. Uh, Nick, even the word offering uh, is powerful because at its root, it means to draw near. Hmm. And that's exactly what we want to do with God. We want to draw near to him. We want to approach him. And God is saying it happens through, that kind of atonement happens through an offering or sacrifice.
0: I found it fascinating. Um, you know, I was I was doing some reading recently on the ancient Near Eastern, how they... They thought about sacrifices. And outside of Israel, um, the, I, the kind of story behind sacrifice was that the gods were hungry mm-hmm. and that, man, that mankind grew all these yummy animals. And so the, they fed the gods their sacrifices to keep the gods happy. Mm-hmm. And God over and over again says, hey, well, I, I don't actually, I don't need a lamb. I'm not hungry. Your sacrifices aren't here to like feed me. It means something different.
1: Totally. And I love that because it, it ties to the fact that God is holy. Mm-hmm. Maybe even use the word whole. Yeah, God is not needy. Uh, he does not even need us to approach him because he's lonely and somehow wants our company. Uh, he is whole and holy and overflowing with a joy and a contentment in and uh, through himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, but he knows as he's created us for fellowship with him and that sin has broken that fellowship, that Atonement or atonement still has to happen. It has to happen for our need, uh, and so that happens through a sacrifice, through an offering, and that offering is the way we draw near.
0: So, what in in the thinking of of an Israelite making a, an offering, what what were they thinking? Happened like what was the connection between this sacrifice, this offering? and them drawing near to God? What's what's going on in that interaction there?
1: Great question, yeah. So we have 1400 years of this sacrificial system in Israel's all before the time of Christ. So 1400 Mm -hmm. years of this priestly sacrificial system. And I cannot pretend to articulate all of the whys behind every single uh, offering that was prescribed in the Old Testament law, but it's real clear to me that the first thing they would have had in their mind is that you cannot approach a holy God any way you want. Hmm. In other words, uh, he's the one that's whole. We're the ones that are broken in sin. Uh, It's up to the whole and the holy to determine the right path, not the broken. In other words, I don't go to a lost person and ask them how to get to Minnesota. Right, uh, I, I go to someone who understands and knows Minnesota to tell me how to get there, yeah. and so they would know that they can't come to God any way they want. Instead, they would come on the way that God has said is qualified and whole and holy.
0: So as opposed to um, maybe a, a, a current trendy saying that all roads lead to God, mm-hmm. the offering is saying, no, 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 God. There is God t- tells us which road leads to Him. Right, He sets the path.
1: Right, Good. and so the offering system would also turn around and point to a greater need. So even the New Testament tells us, particularly in the, in the book of Hebrews, that these old systems of sacrifice were set up as a pattern or uh, a picture of what it would look like uh, for a full and final offering to come. Um, That they had to come year after year after year to offer the blood of, it says, uh, bulls and goats to be cleansed from sin. But instead, that God would then give one full and final offering that would satisfy the atonement need and that uh, we could be made one with God. And we know that is fulfilled on that day that we call Good Friday when Jesus, the Lamb of God, presents himself as the offering.
0: So, when we come to the life of Jesus, many of us, depending on where our faith journey is, we, the first thing we read in the Bible might be the life of Jesus. And so, these ideas of Jesus being an offering, while that might be, we, Jesus might be our first time to encounter kind of that language for them, they had this long history. Correct. When you start describing Jesus as an offering, that already has all of this meaning from Leviticus loaded into
1: it. Right. Which is why John the Baptist, when uh, Jesus comes to be baptized, says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you go, oh, someone is there to, to, to become the atonement for us. But the interesting thing that makes Jesus unique is that he's not just the sacrifice that accomplishes atonement. He's actually the priest who Mm. offers that sacrifice as well. So he's the great high priest and the great high sacrifice offering himself. And that's unique because in the Old Testament system, the priest was the only one qualified to stand on behalf of sinful man, men and women, and and offer the sacrifice to accomplish atonement. Jesus now says, I'll be both. I'll be your priest who stands on your behalf. Oh, I'll also be your offering, uh, who accomplishes the cleansing of sin.
0: It's a powerful image, and to to see God both as both sacrifice and priest. How, when you think about kind of our worshiping life today, as, as we're entering Good Friday, as we're entering this season, um, how do we, what, what does that mean for us? How does what is the significance of that? How do we respond to that reality?
1: I think we have to do what offerings were meant to, to do draw near Mm. um you think about hebrews 10 and if it's okay we'll even actually read one passage there that just kind of kind of takes it there and applies it to our life so remember we have this great high priest jesus who offers a great high sacrifice himself Mm. and that's the death on the cross and then the, the consequence of that is all of that accomplishes forgiveness And so as a result in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19, uh, we read that, uh, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. That's up to verse 21. Now notice what we just read. Jesus is the great high offering through his body and his blood. And he's the great high priest who offers it. So here's the command. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, knowing that our hearts are sprinkled and cleansed from a guilty conscience and our bodies are washed pure. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who has promised this is faithful and Let us consider how to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Mm. And so all of a sudden, what does this mean for the believer? Well, we, first of all, draw near to God. Second, we hold on to that hope. We actually hold it as though it's an anchor Mm -hmm. in in a world that's uh, stormy with our own sin and the sin around us. And then third, we draw together, encouraging each other to keep up, keep going.
0: Wow. So in a, in a very, I guess, practical way, what that tells me is all, all the things we do in worship are our, our listening to the preaching of the word, our prayer, our singing of songs about the atonement, our taking communion. Yeah. All of that is not just us kind of saying to God what we think is true, but it's also kind of saying it to ourselves. It's, it's trying to make it real to ourselves what Christ has done on our behalf.
1: Yeah. It matters, doesn't it? So now when people kind of dismiss things like, oh yeah, you know, I don't really need to go to church. I can worship God anywhere I want or any way I want. The answer to that is, of course you can worship God anywhere you want. And yet God is saying, if you want to do it in a way that edifies not only your own faith, but also the people around you come together and draw near to God together and then hold fast to the hope that we have in Christ.
0: Shots, thanks for, thanks for sharing that with us and giving us some perspective on just the depth and the richness of what's going on in the atonement. You and, bet. Uh, would, you, would you be willing just to kind of maybe say a, a prayer over our people this week as we remember the death of Christ?
1: I will. Uh, Jesus, we thank you that on this Friday that uh, we celebrate your death and then three days later your resurrection. Uh, we call it good because of what it accomplished on our behalf, that you took uh, me, my loved ones, my world, any of us who place our faith in Christ, and you brought us back to you. You did that through uh, the offering of Jesus, presented by Jesus himself as the high priest, and that you are pleased to now exalt Jesus even in resurrection. I pray that we would uh, bow in reverence to you, be struck in humility by uh, the awesome gift of you, but that also we would rise to walk with you, to draw near to you, and to encourage one another in the process. And Lord, even in this season where we might have to worship apart from one another because of uh, the COVID virus, we would ask that there would be a sense of encouraging one another to continue holding fast to the hope and drawing near to you. And we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, Mark. And uh, thanks for listening to the Clarity Podcast. Mm, Thank you.